All of us are on a complicated journey of faith, pursuing truth and deeper knowledge of God. But how do we know we're doing it right? Many of you know that faith is a complicated thing, and it can be a painful and difficult journey, and far too often we are not given a space where we can safely address the complications and issues that arise naturally. My name is Joshua Patterson, and one of my best friends, Marty Frederick, and I have agreed to join each other in creating exactly that kind of space where questions and critical thinking are welcome. We want to look honestly at the issues and questions plaguing the Christian church today and to genuinely seek out what it means to live like Jesus in our ever-changing world, in our expanding universe, and in our pluralistic society. We believe that doubt is not the enemy of faith, but perhaps one of its greatest allies. We think that the Christian life is more about asking the right questions than it is about finding the answers. And we believe we are being called to continually ask those questions, renewing our minds and rethinking our faith in the process. Thank you for joining us on that journey. Well, welcome to another episode of the Rethinking Faith podcast. As always, I'm Josh Patterson, and with me today is my co-host, Marty Frederick. Marty, what's going on, man? Not too much. I'm doing great. It's 75 degrees where I'm at right now, and it's a beautiful day. I spent the morning uh, working on a person's farm in my church, uh, making some extra money uh, since uh, furloughs abound these days, Um, and then came home, and everyone was getting their bikes fixed up to go on bike rides, so... Man, it's it's that kind of day. It's it's becoming that time, but also it's still important to to uh, you know to still go through social distancing. Don't invite friends over to your house <laughs> and have a barbecue. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good idea. What if like one of your best friends lives at your house? Are you allowed to see them still? Because we have a roommate. No, he, he's got to he's got to go somewhere else. Oh shoot! All right, we'll make him sleep out. I'll, I'll pitch a tent <laughs> in our front yard for him. Or he, he can, can sleep, sleep in, in his, his car. In his car. He just has to take the engine out. He can have plenty of space in there, right? <laughs> Goodness. I'm going to love yeah, my it's, now. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been nice here, too. And uh, we uh, uh, yesterday did some uh, extra curriculars outside. Uh, we live in the woods. And so there's a bunch of, like, old fallen dead trees and stuff. Uh, so we went out and ch- ch- uh, chopped some of them up, drug them out of the woods. And it's like splitting wood and stuff. So preparing you know. for for winter time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. Having all that wood ready no, to go for our, for our bonfires, Marty. Come yeah. on, spring. But Josh, just so you know, you have got you have got to season the wood you put in your fireplace. If you don't, you're going to coat the inside of your fireplace with all sorts of resin, and then you have to get it cleaned, or it could cause a fire. Right. Yes, I'm aware yeah. of this. This this is why I get wood from my neighbor Lee who does all that stuff and nice. we're good. Yeah. You can give him the wood you just chopped and he'll season it for you. <laughs> yeah. Or you could just let it sit in your backyard and season that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So Marty, uh, I've been thinking, man, like on social media and like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, everywhere, there's like a whole bunch of crazy stuff out there going around about COVID-19 mm-hmm. and about like God's participation or lack of participation. Some people are saying the book of Revelation prophesied this. Some are saying it's the book of Isaiah. Some are saying Daniel. And it's getting crazy. And so it reminded me that you and I had a really cool conversation a couple months ago with Dr. Rob Dalrymple. And so we decided that it might be really cool to reach out to Rob and invite him to come talk to us again about this, uh, this craziness that's going on. Since, you know, Rob has a PhD in New Testament and he, and he studies and focuses in the book of Revelation, uh, I figured he's a pretty smart guy to ask. What do you think? I think so. Let's do it. Let's bring him in. Well, here's the good news. Rob's already here with us. Look at oh, that. Awesome. <laughs> Some could say it was Providence for all of our Calvinist buddies out there. <laughs> hey, How's Rob, it? how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. yeah thank you so much for, for jumping on in short notice. Uh, listeners, just so you know, literally I, I shot a text message out to Rob uh, yesterday or the day before, um, something like that. And was like, hey, we had this idea. What do you think? 
and Rob was gracious enough to share some of his time with us today to come and uh, help us think through some of this craziness that we're all uh, dealing with right now. Yeah. Yeah. But Rob, you know, you've already been on the show before, so we've already asked you the question we ask everybody. So we have to come up with a different one. So the question that we are now asking every second time guest on the show uh, from this point forward is who is your favorite musical act that you have seen live? Oh, goodness. I don't do music. Um, <laughs> favorite musical act that I've seen live. Oh my gosh, my wife would go nuts right now because I have no idea. <laughs> um, okay, my daughter's downstairs. What is it, Wicked? Oh, my daughter's listening. She's, she, and her answer, she says, is Wicked. All right, cool. Sweet. Very cool. Yeah, that sounds good. What, think... what, what's that, Mackenzie? <laughs> Whatever. Okay, so <laughs> we're going with Wicked. Wicked. Sweet. All right. Yeah, that's just because I, I have a daughter at home and, and my wife. So we're going with Music Wicked. Nice. Great. Sounds like a plan. Les Miserables is pretty cool, though. What is? Les Miserables. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, is, yeah. that is good for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. What I'm also too, Marty, another question you could ask Rob, since he's a Patriots fan, is what he thinks about Tom Brady going to oh, the Bucs. We're not talking about sports right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just seriously, there are no sports in this world. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, you know, I'm sorry. sorry is, I, that, I is that one of the seven bowls of yeah, wrath yeah. being poured out is the lack of sports? <laughs> Anyways, Tom on. Brady going yeah. to the Buccaneers is definitely yeah. one of them. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll move on just for, for Rob's sake. So, uh, Rob, just again, real quick, uh, so people know, can you just give a little bit of background information about who you are and what you do just for those who uh, have not listened to the previous sure. episode we did with you? Sure, I'm a pastor in uh, Bakersfield, California. I've been pastoring and, and teaching in uh, seminaries and colleges and the church for 30, uh, 31 years, married uh, 30 years, uh, four kids. Uh, and a PhD in New Testament studies. I've written a number of books and podcasts. I'm a, a current blogger on Patheos. Uh, you can look me up on determinedtruth.com. And um, my uh, area of study has been the book of Revelation, um, but eschatology, which is the biblical uh, understanding of the end times, um, and the New Testament, uh, kingdom of God, people of God, um, and the church. Uh, and the mission of God's people has been really kind of been my passion and been my heart and, and kind of really the church and what are we doing and who are we called to be? And, and uh, the, 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 the catchphrase on my website is challenging the church to be the church. Mm. Awesome. Sweet. Well, thank you so much. So uh, as you alluded to, uh, you uh, blog, one thing that you do is you blog uh, on Patheos. Um, you've put out a couple of articles recently or, or blog posts. Um, in relation to the craziness that's happening today, right? With COVID-19, a lot of people are saying that, oh, this COVID-19 is an act of God's judgment. Uh, so when you hear people say that, <laughs> what, what comes to mind for you? Uh, that's not the God I know, um, number okay. one. Um, uh, what... It... it it's a radical misunderstanding of the biblical God. Um, you know, we, we blame, it, it, it's a misunderstanding of, of, of even the problem of evil and the problem of suffering. You know, the, the whole argument of, against the existence of God is this problem of evil. And, and what happens is people go, well, look at all the evil and suffering in the world and why doesn't God do something about it? Um, and the reality is, uh, and, and then what happens is we see, we see evil and suffering in the world and then we blame God for it. It's like, no, no, God didn't do this stuff. This is what happens when man gets in control. Uh, the evil and suffering, COVID-19 and wars and famine and all that, this is what happens when humanity, this is, this is the garden when we, when we messed up, when we said we're going to be God, this is what we do. Um, and this is the consequence of, of human kingdoms and, and of human, humanity being in, in control. So that's the first thing I'd say. Um, is that this is not what happens when God's in control. Uh, God's kingdom is about redeeming this creation, not not cursing it. Hmm. Yeah, it, it, which is interesting because I see a lot of people, I don't know if uh, how much you, I mean, I know you're on Facebook. I don't know how much you hang out there or, or who you follow, but there's been 
this one meme that keeps getting shared going around uh, referencing, I think like Isaiah 20, 26, something around there that has to do basically it's the verse. It's like, you know, go inside and shut your doors and pray. And then God's wrath will pass over you and everything will be okay. And I know that you're not an OT guy, but I do know, you know, biblical hermeneutics. And that in my mind, at least is just a blatant, like, disregard for context for exactly. historical right. criticism all that kind of stuff it's just kind of crazy but that's right. that's been pretty popular people are using the bible in crazy ways to say this is god's wrath or god's judgment or right. whatever have you seen that no i haven't seen that one but it's kind of like putting your finger in the bible and saying judas went out and hung himself and then go and putting your finger in the bible again saying go and do that likewise yeah. <laughs> then go and put your finger in the Bible and say what you do do quickly it's like okay yeah. well I guess that's God's will yeah um, and I better hurry up and do it you know right um, yeah that's 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 uh, has nothing to do with the, with the context uh, uh, of, of the scripture at all that's right yeah it's it's man it's super interesting and then um, since though you you do specialize in the book of Revelation I know that's another one that people are pointing to right um, and in fact, yeah, we've we've talked about this uh, with you before. And like this is just the idea of the end times and things like that. There's a lot of uh, anxiety that gets built up around that. Um, and so I just wanted to specifically talk to you today and see what light can you shine uh, for us in the realm of revelation and, and what it may or may not have to do with this whole COVID-19 crisis. Yeah, and, and, and again, I encourage um, the listeners to go. I wrote a blog a couple weeks ago, um, Are the Seven, it's, I think it's titled Are the Seven Seals of the Book of Revelation Unfolding Today, uh, March 24th on mm -hmm. uh, Pathios. Uh, so look up Determined Truth on, or Rob Downfall on Pathios.com. Um, and that would be the primary text I think that someone might go to, um, looking at the, the, the first four seals in the Book of Revelation, saying, yeah, there you, there you go. Um, and I think what you're looking at in the, in the biblical story, um, and the book of Revelation is part of the biblical story, and the Gospels of Mark 13 and Matthew 24 as well. Uh, and what you're looking at is, first off, Jesus's indication in the Gospels is that, um, look, things are going to go on as normal between the time of Jesus's coming and Jesus's uh, return, the, the first coming and the second coming. Uh, life's going to go on as normal. And that life going on as normal includes the fact that there's going to be wars and famines and pestilence. Those weren't mm. to be indications necessarily in the book of Revelation of signs of the imminence of his return. In the gospel of Mark, uh, there are clear indications of um, life going on as normal before the, the destruction of Jerusalem. So even then, they weren't signs uh, of, of any imminence of, of the end times. Um, they're, 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 this, is what, this is what happens when man's in control, when humanity's in control uh, um, there. So, so we're not to read these as though, oh, hey, these are plagues that God's bringing upon the world. These are things that are happening when human kings are in, are in power. Um, what you see in Scripture um, is, uh, and, and if, you, know, you go to Mark 13 or Matthew 24 is even, is even more explicit. And when Jesus is given the sermon uh, and, and the disciples are like, okay, well, well when's Jerusalem going to be destroyed? You know, and, and what does this mean about your coming? Which, of course, the disciples really weren't grasping this idea of a second coming because they didn't understand that he was going anywhere, right? They, they, they weren't cluing into his death and resurrection, especially if you read Mark 9 and Mark 10. Like, what does rising from the dead mean? They, they weren't cluing into that, that yet. By the time Matthew's writing, they're like, okay, what, Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. All right. That, what, is this, what does this mean for your coming? So they're coming into that. So Jesus is like, okay, that has nothing to do with my coming now in terms of my, my return. His return then, the, the clue then is, his message is, is, I want my people to be faithful between now and then. I, I, I know it's, he's explicit in the Gospel of Mark. I don't know when I'm coming back. So when we read the New Testament, we find no indications at all about signs of the times of Jesus' return. The only indications that we, and I wrote about this in my book, Understanding the New Testament and the End Times. Um, and that is, the only indications that, that the New Testament gives us are signs of when Jesus is gonna return, are actually the suffering of God's people. That, that's, that's really the only one, and that's in, and that's in Revelation 6. How long, O oh Lord, until, you come, until, until the end, the souls under the altar and the fifth seal, uh, and the answer is, well, sorry, not all the, all the people of God that, have, that are going to be killed for the gospel of Christ are, are, have been killed yet. 
So you, you see this idea of the suffering of the saints in Colossians 1, Paul even, you know, the fullness of the suffering of God's people. Um, but even that's not a sign because we don't know like, well, when the fullness of, of God's, you know, how many of God's people have to suffer until that's the end. There, there's no indication what that means. So we have this notion, okay, God's people have to suffer until uh, a certain amount. We don't know what that means until just returns. But the key is, is that, Jesus, that the New Testament is emphatic of, of, I want you to be prepared and to be ready. You know, so we have this, uh, this notion of, uh, I'm coming like a thief in the night. Uh, Thessalonians will, will use this imagery. Paul, uh, Jesus says it in the Gospel of Matthew as well. Uh, and the idea is, um, if you knew at what hour the thief was coming, you, you wouldn't, you'd be ready for it, right? And the thief won't break into your house because you'll be awake. Now, those who are sleeping, you know, even in the Armageddon passage in Revelation 16, right? Blessed is the one who stays awake, blessed you go about naked and then see a shame. Um, if, if you're awake and you're prepared, then my coming is not going to be a surprise to you. So be ready, be awake, be prepared is this constant message in the New Testament. You don't know when I'm coming because I, I didn't know when I was coming. So you don't know when I'm coming, but be ready and be prepared. Now, if I can, if I can go on for just another minute or so, so here. The next thing I think that's important to note is the New Testament doesn't give us any explicit indication when he's going to come back. All it gives us is be ready for my coming. Don't, you know, don't, uh, don't be naked. Don't be asleep. Um, but we fill in the gaps. Well, what does be ready mean? And we, and we tend to think, oh, it means be moral, be, you know, be good people. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Um, right. Um, read your Bible, go to church, you know, maybe put something in the offering plate. You know, we fill it in with this moral living, right? Um, yet I think if you read the Gospels clearly or the New Testament clearly, um, the answer is, is actually being faithful to the mission that Jesus has called us to. Now, that includes being moral, obviously, right? And that includes, you know, being faithful to uh, um, the fruits of the Spirit, which is love and da 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 But ultimately, it's making Christ known. You see, if the only indication of the, of the sign is suffering, why are we suffering? Because I'm, I'm being a good person? Because I'm being moral? No, because I'm making Jesus known, right? That's, that goes hand in hand. The suffering of God's people is because we're making Christ known. And in making Christ known in humility and in love, you see, if the gospel is Jesus as Lord and you proclaim Jesus as Lord to Caesar, he ain't gonna like that. You proclaim <laughs> the lordship of Christ to a world that has their own lords, even if it's to, to somebody else who says, sorry, I have my own lords. It's my car. It's my family. It's my job. It's my status. It's my ego. It's my lust. Sorry, all that's out. Jesus is Lord. Persecution's going to come. Um, and so the gospel of being prepared is making Christ known to the world. And so this is, this is why I'm so passionate about this issue, because what happens is, we go off, first off, pronouncing this God of wrath and judgment, which actually repels people from the gospel, right? It shuns people away. The very opposite of what we're called to do, making Jesus known, right? Um, and, and yet we're called to, to, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, it's, and it's, it, 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 I almost chuckle because the, the, the devil knows that the coming of Jesus is actually dependent upon the church's faithfulness in proclaiming the gospel. And so what he does is he has us sit back and actually proclaim the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing by shunning people and repelling them by preaching a gospel of wrath and judgment and by having us sit back on our hands and going, well, if actually things get really bad, we get raptured out of here anyways. And I'm just going to be <laughs> passive observers and watch everything go to hell in a handbasket instead of being actively um, um, God, people of justice, people of passion, people praying, or even in this instance, people, sorry, my dogs are fighting one another. Hey guys, you need to stop here. Um, but um, uh, even, even praying or even being good citizens of making sure that we're not being a burden on the medical society by being home and yeah. making sure that we're uh, um, uh, not spreading the disease, things of that nature. So uh, I think we've got it flipped upside down. Yeah, well, you know, and that's been one of the things that I've seen regularly, you know, at least at the beginning of this, and probably not as much now, but um, the question from what I would, I guess, call secular society has been, well, where's the church? 
Yeah. You know, and whereas I thought that, you know, you know, I thought that uh, Christians, you know, I uh, thought they could just pray this away and this and everything would go, I mean, you know, that's been the secular society. Mm. But then you've seen the people that are in the church, um, you know, that have been really suffering. And I, and to be honest, there's been many people in the church. There's been many churches that have really stepped up, yeah. um, done yeah. food drives, have, uh, mm. have done whatever they, I mean, you know, I, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, I mean, is this even before we started with all this, because I feel like it's partly it's part of this. Um, what 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 is your opinion on these churches that are trying to uh, go against these shelter in place orders um, and hold church services anyway? Uh, with the argument that the church is an essential service, which, of course, I would agree that the church as a whole, Big C Church, is definitely essential. Um, but I, 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 my personal opinion is that their church meeting is probably not an essential service. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess I was curious as to what your thoughts are on that, just as a sidebar to our, our current conversation. Yeah, I guess it's just misunderstanding what the church is supposed to be doing. Oh, yeah. uh, is the church supposed to be, is an essential service of the church gathering together on Sunday? Um, or is an essential service of the church being the church, and that is being the body of, G embodying Christ? Yeah. Right Now, obviously, the gathering together of God's people is an essential part of what the church is. But the, I think the gathering together of the body of Christ uh, is to um, empower the church to be the church the rest of the week, mm -hmm. Right. Uh, in other words, we, we gather together to, to, to fellowship, to commune, to worship, to take communion, um, to be fed and to be nourished, and then to be empowered to go out, right? Um, and so, um, and it's that going out, that sending of God's people, um, that, that is more significant than the, than, than the gathering together. The gathering together is, is the empowering part of it. So, um, there, I think they've got that upside down then. No, no, no. The gathering part, the gathering part is the essential part. Um, and then we just kind of do our best, mon you know, Monday through Saturday. It's like, no, no, no. It's, it's yeah. the opposite there. So, well, because I actually, I have a friend that is, uh, he would, he would, he would be self-proclaimed atheist on Facebook. And he posted an article of a church that met together and, uh, how they were arrested until they couldn't do that. And his, his response to that was no, go ahead and let them meet. And of course, like obviously, that's pretty morbid. But I mean, that's coming from someone that's more of a combative atheist than he is necessarily a supporter of a, a, an outside supporter of Christians and their and their belief system. Um, but yeah, I, I I mean, I think we've seen many churches able to be the church yeah. in this day and age. I think we have to. Um, we have and to. I. And I uh, I, uh, even the church that I that I currently attend two Sundays in a row, they've had Gordon Food Service donate just a whole bunch of food, yep. like a semi truck worth of food, and yep. they have sorted it and separated it out, and they've just had a drive through food food drive. Come pick up food on Sunday instead of church happening on Sunday morning. You can drive through and yep. you can pick up food, and I'm pretty sure they don't ask any questions. Like make sure like to make sure that you actually need it. I think they just they're just trying to be a light and give to people. Yeah. Uh, they're trying to do it in a safe way, and I and I think that yep. as I think as a community of believers, I think this like this is our time. Number one, this is our time to shine. This is our time to say, here's who we really are. Here's who people of faith really are. Right. Um, but then one of the things I saw that was kind of interesting, which has nothing to do with this conversation, is uh, this is a chance for the church to innovate a little bit. And yeah. when things are able to reopen and go back to the way, quote unquote, the way it was before, what are churches going to do differently than, you know, right. than this hibernation period, not just go back to the status quo, but hey, how can we do this in a different light, in a way that really reaches people? There's going to be a lot of hurting people, in mm -hmm. a, you know, right? And when when the church and the society, quote unquote, goes back to normal, right. um, there's going to be a lot of hurting people that are going to need hope, that they're going to need uh, reassurance, but they're just going to need community, people that they can love, that, that they can be loved by, and people that they can trust. Um, and I think that's this is a real opportunity for the church to step up and like, you're, yeah. like you were saying, be the church. Right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think too, if I can speak to that as as well, um, one thing that I've noticed uh, is that I think sometimes, um, and I think we see this in Jesus's interaction with the Pharisees, um, we can allow our theology um, or our religion or our beliefs, whatever, to get in the way of yeah. uh, what could be called the most important thing: love your neighbor, you know, love God and love your neighbors yourself. And so I think sometimes what we can see happening 
is some, I mean, I don't want this to be in like, come off as like super overly judgmental, but if I'm just being honest, what I see is that perhaps some of the churches that are staying open and still having these big gatherings and kind of saying like, you know, stick it to the government, we're going to do what we want. Um, it seems like perhaps they're allowing their theology to get into the way of the most important thing, which is loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. And by gathering and putting people in situations where a disease like COVID-19 um, could spread rapidly <laughs> in large groups of people, that's, even though you're saying like the church is important and we need to gather, yes, 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 those things are true, but you're, you're not, you're, you're failing at loving others. I think, does that right. make any sense? Yeah, yeah, and and you're failing to rececognize that the church is actually the church for mi- the, the people of God on mission, right? In other words, it, no, we're a local church that's just a, a bunch of saints that are called by God to be saved people, so someday we can go to heaven, instead of being chosen by God to be on mission. And the local gathering is to empower and the fellowship and the commune so that we can go out and be on mission. And what is that mission? And that mission is to love. Um, and to proclaim the gospel. And so, and, and to love means to not spread the virus. To love means to not be a burden on the medical community. To love means to be mm-hmm. praying for. And, and that, therefore, that means to be sequestered. That, mean, that means, yeah. So, yeah. And, and history tells us that uh, we've got examples in history of not, of, of not gathering together, whether we go back 100 years ago to the Spanish uh, flu and everything else, that, that church and churches did the same thing 100 years ago. So. Um, stop. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, something that, that came to mind, uh, earlier, Rob, when you were, uh, kind of laying out some, some of your ideas, uh, and you were talking about like this idea of, um, the people of God suffering and then Christ Mm -hmm. returning. Um, a question that I thought of when you were speaking about that, and I don't know why I didn't think of it when we, we, when we spoke the first time, because you said the same thing, um, like where where can we draw the line in that so that we don't bring on this kind of martyr complex? Because I see, I, I feel like maybe some people could say, oh yeah, the church has to suffer. So let's continue meeting. Let's get COVID-19. Let's die because it's just going to bring Jesus in here faster. So like, is there a, a line we can draw there? Is that, does that make sense? Yeah, it's suffering for the sake of the gospel. Okay. Not suffering for the sake of suffering. Sure. Right. And, and not, and not, I don't know, I would say it's not suffering. It's not suffering because I'm a jerk. Um, (laughs) It's suffering because, uh, because the gospel is, is what's offensive. It's not, it's not my presentation of the gospel that's offensive. Um, And and it's not the way I present it, or it's not because of who I am. Um, It's simply, it's, it's the gospel that's offensive. Um, And so uh, the fact is that Jesus is Lord and you're not is offensive enough. And so um, uh, Jesus was crucified for it. And, and there's no person in the history of the world that's been more loving than him. Mm. Um, and so, um, and it's hard, um, but it's humility um, and it's self-sacrifice. Um, so there's, and, and there's always going to be that challenge, right? There's always going to be that tension because we're still human. Um, and, and, and so there always go, is going to be that, that, that tension there in, in us and in, in, in our human, humanity. Um, but we're not seeking it out, uh, um, never. Um, and 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 even during eras of persecution, we always had the, uh, the that tension of of uh, seeking it out or not seeking it out. But no, we, yeah, that has nothing to do with it. Okay, cool. And so then, what it seems like to um, you're saying with with your big overall point is perhaps it is not so helpful to try to turn to pages of something like Revelation, um, and try to map it you know COVID-19 onto those pages and say this is the wrath of God or something like that right. that that's missing the point what's right. more important for the church today is not to waste time doing that but instead actually be the church be the body of Christ that seems to be the point is that a fair way of saying it exactly exactly and people don't that's like that's not as that's not as um, sexy if I can say it that way right? <laughs> sure uh, it, it just isn't it, but but it's the, it's the simplicity of the gospel. Revelation, the book of Revelation, it doesn't have anything unique in it that's not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or in Paul's letters, or in Peter. Um, it simply has this apocalyptic dressing behind it 
that basically says the gospel is Jesus Christ is Lord. Now get out there and let the world know. Um, and, and, and it says, oh, and guess what? By the way, there's a dragon chasing you, which is no different <laughs> than Paul telling you that, that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? It's the same thing. Um, and oh, guess what? Um, uh, the, the dragon has empowered the beast, right? And, and the beast is the kingdoms of the world. We, we know all this because guess what? Rome crucified Jesus, didn't they? So it, it's the gospel of Matthew, but it's, it's, it's just has this apocalyptic imagery behind it. Um, and so the message of Revelation is no different than the message of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or the Old Testament, or, or Thessalonians, or Philippians, or anything else. It just has this wonderful imagery behind it. We like to take that imagery and go, oh, and get fascinated by the details. And that distracts us from the very mission in, in which, we're, uh, which we're called to do. And that's what First Thessalonians is about, right? That's what Second Thessalonians is about. We get captured with these details because we want to escape and we lose sight of the mission. But that's, of course, because we have an enemy who's the great deceiver who wants to get us off track. Mm. So, yeah, so uh, perhaps then maybe part of the, the issue that um, people get hung up in with uh, the book of Revelation and maybe also something like uh, Daniel um, is this idea of apocalyptic literature, mm-hmm. like the genre of apocalypse. As soon as we hear apocalypse today, like mm-hmm. in our culture, we think of like movies about the end of the world. We think about The Walking Dead or, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> other shows like that, when in reality, that's not necessarily what apocalyptic genre of scripture is right it's it's well to say it's using end of the world language is fine mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that it's actually describing the end of the world okay so when jesus was on the cross what happened it was dark right because what happened well the sun became like black well that's the end of the world language but that wasn't the end of the world was it um, when yeah. the Holy Spirit descended to Pentecost, what happened? Well, the sun became black and the moon became like blood, right? Well, that's end of the world language, but, but that wasn't the end of the world. But, that's, but now we're talking about the cross and Pentecost. So why all of a sudden is everything literalized when it comes to the book of Revelation, but, and, it's, and it's the end of the world, but when it was the cross and Pentecost, we know it wasn't the end of the world. So mm-hmm. this language is used throughout Scripture, Old Testament, Isaiah, Daniel, right? Jesus, Acts to describe God's inbreaking of, in history. Well, this, 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 the sky split apart like a scroll uh, when Jesus is baptized. All right. You have this apocalyptic language. And, and guess what, by the way? Jesus' favorite form of teaching was a parable, right? That's the most common form of teaching. In the Gospel of Mark, it says he didn't speak to them without using a parable, right? Even though there's only two parables in the Gospel of Mark. It's kind of <laughs> All right. um, well, his parables are, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. That's a, a coded way of saying, I'm speaking to you in parables. If anyone has ears to hear them here, is an apocalyptic catchphrase. That means Jesus' teachings throughout the Gospels are apocalyptic. Right? It's, it's, this, it's the language that Jesus spoke with. So it doesn't have to mean that it's actually the end of the world. It's just this language that describes when God acts, and when God acts, there's no better language to use than end of the world cosmic, I like to say cosmic upheaval language, and cosmic upheaval language is the heavens, you know, the sky splitting apart like a scroll, the sun's becoming black, and the moon's becoming like blood, and the stars in the sky are falling from the, to the earth, and, we, and, and, and that's just the best way to describe it. That doesn't mean it's actually the end of the world, right? There's a great earthquake, right? Um, and, and lightning, you know, all right, well, there was an earthquake at the cross. You see all these things in the gospels, but that's not the end of the world. And so that, so just, just realize that apocalyptic language is, is proliferates throughout the, throughout the entire scriptures and especially the gospels. Yeah. And re- would it be fair to say that like readers at the time or like hearers, people would be right. familiar with this kind of way of speaking? More so, much more okay. so. Yeah. yeah, much more so. Okay, yeah. awesome. And they yeah. wouldn't be literalizing it in the sense that, that and, and, and church history hasn't literalized it until more recently as well, mm-hmm. right? The, the idea of literalizing this imagery in the book of Revelation is new uh, uh, to, to Christendom, relatively new. Yeah, we, I think we, we talked about some of those ideas too in the, the episode we did with you before. Yeah. Um, 
that was very much like a pretty in-depth look at the book of Revelation, which was super helpful. So listener, if you have not heard that, go back and find it. Um, it is 100% worth your time. This is a great episode. And actually, Rob, I think I was telling you this. I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, I was looking at the statistics because you can kind of track and see how episodes are downloaded. And as soon as this COVID-19 thing became a thing, you can literally see like on the chart, your episode yeah. on Revelation like pff, spiked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So people are asking that's these a, questions. That's immediately, that's immediately where they go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's so interesting that that's, that's where people jump. I mean, I'm even seeing friends on Facebook that I would not say like, oh yeah, this is my friend that goes to church or this is my friend that's a Christian. And they're sharing all this like Bible stuff about COVID-19 and God's wrath. And like, we just have to pray and our nation has to turn back to God and then COVID-19 is going to go away. Or, or they're, sh they're sharing videos of, um, uh, Kenneth Copeland, who like spit at the screen and said like, like it's gone, whatever. So there's so much craziness around this whole thing. And it's been super frustrating to me um, because like you were saying earlier, we're supposed to be spreading the gospel. We're supposed mm -hmm. to be drawing people to Christ, not pushing them away. And it seems right. like during times of crisis like this, we're pushing people away but at the same time, trying to bring ourselves comfort. It's, it's kind of strange to me. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, let me, um, let me follow up with something. That, sure. One of the questions that you asked me in the last time that, that we were on. And um, uh, you asked me the question about the blood on Jesus' garment in Revelation 19. Yes. And, and I, I kind of want to add a clarity to, to my comments then. Uh, I've meditated upon it a little bit further. And, uh, and, and I think it's important to understand the narrative of the story. Uh, the blood on Jesus' garments in Revelation 19, I was, I was kind of um, equivocating on it for a couple of reasons. But one, the blood on Jesus' garments in Revelation 19 is Jesus' blood. Okay. Okay. And, and I think it's Jesus' blood for a simple reason. When Jesus comes back his, uh, in Revelation 19, before the battle ensues, the blood is already on his garments. In other words, Revelation's describing not God coming back, back in wrath to inflict wrath upon the wicked, but the fact that the wrath of God has already been inflicted upon Jesus himself. He's already suffered this wrath. So again, the idea of God being this wrathful being and inflicting COVID-19, inflicting plagues and boils and, and earthquakes and, and, and war upon the people of the world as though he's this, he's this vengeful God, is no, the wrath of God has already been suffered by Christ to redeem the, the world uh, and so when Christ comes back, he's already suffered the wrath of God in order that the world might be redeemed by him uh, and, mm. and, and, and through him. And that's this love story that I think you see throughout the book of Revelation. So I think I did say this last time that, that the story in the book of Revelation, the story of the scriptures is a story of, it's a love story. And people read Revelation and go, how can you get a love story out of this when it's all about wrath and plagues and everything else? Like, because it's the story of the lamb that was slain. That's the whole point is the biblical story is a story of love about how God loved his creation so much he didn't abandon it, right? Because he could have just said, Genesis 3, bummer, you guys made this mistake. You made your bed live, sleep in it. Instead, instead of abandoning his creation, he redeemed us for God so loved the world he gave his one and only son. And so I think that's an important caveat that I want to uh, add to it. Awesome. Yeah, that's super helpful too. And I think um, one thing, at least... In, in like my perspective when it comes to atonement, um, I feel like also something important to note that sometimes people try to pit God versus Jesus when it comes on the cross. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think what's important to see as well, um, and feel free to, to disagree if you wouldn't speak about it this way, but when I look at the cross and I, you know, this idea of God's wrath or whatever, um, I remember that, that Jesus is the God man, right? Fully God, fully, right. fully human. And so God is, is bringing the, the, the penalty on, on God's self. God is, is right. taking it into himself. Jesus, you know, sin is being punished in the flesh of Christ on, on the cross. And so I think that's an important thing to throw in there as well, that it's not this picture of like, you know, the caricature of like divine cosmic child abuse, but rather right. it's right. God becoming one of us and then taking the penalty on, on God's self. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Sweet. That's, that's super helpful.
So sure. I guess then, Rob, moving, moving forward, um, during this time of COVID-19, where, where, how, like, what advice would you say for, for people who are kind of freaking out or, or like maybe they had their hope in some of this, you know, revelation kind of stuff. And they're like, well, wait a minute. Like this was actually bringing me comfort that this could be the end of things, um, which I think honestly, that might be some people think that way. Um, but like going forward, where can we be putting our hope? Where can we be putting our trust? Like what, how should we be thinking during this time? Um, the book of Ezekiel says that God does not delight in the death of anyone. Um, and so our hope um, is first and foremost, obviously this is Holy Week. So our hope is in the resurrection, right? Our hope is in life eternal. Our hope is in Christ alone. And so first off, we're reminded in communion, we're reminded in Easter, um, we're reminded in the resurrection that um, as the souls under the altar cry out in Revelation 6, how long, O Lord? And the answer is just a little while. Um, so we're reminded that um, first and foremost, the gospel is the gospel of hope um, and the gospel of life. Um, and if you overcome as I overcame, I'll grant the right for you to sit down with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, Revelation 3.21. And so that's where our hope is, right? Uh, it's the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, in uh, Titus 3.5. Um, so we look forward to that, that glorious hope there. In the meantime, now, uh, Lord, increase our faith, um, right, in the gospel of Luke 16, Luke, uh, Luke 17, um, because now we recognize that we need to persevere. We need to be faithful. We need to um, overcome um, as his uh, witnesses, as uh, Revelation 11, that we are the two witnesses. We are the ones who are called to make Jesus known to the world. Um, my Easter sermon this, this week is going to be the fact that the resurrection of Jesus and Easter is not the end of the story. You know, we celebrate Easter as though that's the end and we, 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 we jump and cheer and, and, and have parties and, and, and it's absolutely worthy of a party, but it's actually only the beginning of the story. Um, so, and the reason why I started with saying, you know, God doesn't like delight in the death of anyone is the fact that um, uh, if when we when we look at COVID nineteen or any of these things as though it's a sign of God's wrath on the world and and oh yes awesome the end is almost near, well, if that if we take that narrative and that's not I don't believe that in any way shape or form that's a biblical narrative, but if we take that narrative, well that might be good news for me, but that's not good news for my brother who doesn't know Jesus. Mm. And that's not good news for a whole lot of people who don't know Jesus. And it was that narrative is narrative of relief for us, but damnation for a whole lot of people. Um, and, and that's not the biblical narrative uh, that, that I read, right? Uh, he called us, right, and, and, and Peter, so that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, right? We were called to make him known. In other words, the whole point of Easter is, right, and, and if, you, if you read the gospel stories, you know, you start in Mark chapter one and it says, Jesus' first words are the kingdom of God's at hand, right? And you're expecting, okay, by the time you get to the end of the gospel of Mark, this is going to be like this awesome story about how the kingdom of God has come. And you get to the end of the gospel of Mark and there's like a few women and a couple guys and that's it. I mean, think about it. The gospel of Mark, the kingdom of God's at hand. And by the time Jesus is done with, at the end of the gospel of Mark, there's only a few people hanging around with him. That can't be this triumphal story. There has to be something more. And that's the whole point. The Gospel of Mark's not the end of the story. You need the book of Acts. And even the book of Acts isn't the end of the story, right? Uh, it's not until uh, um, the church fulfills its mission, which is 1900, almost 2000 years and, and running. So, so the hope is, and the reason for the delay, right? How long, oh Lord, go back to Revelation 6 now, how long, oh Lord, until, and, and the answer is, because not everyone's been redeemed who's going to be redeemed, right? So uh, let me kind of go one more step. And that is, it's not only those who have not been martyred have not been martyred yet, it's that those who have not been martyred have not been martyred yet because those in the nations have not been redeemed yet. The martyring of God's people goes hand in hand with the redemption of the nations. And the fact is, see, there's two great themes in the book of Revelation, if I can add one more thought, and, and that is, one is the temple of God or God's throne, right? In Revelation 4, comes down from heaven in Revelation 21 and 22. So 
you, you have the throne of God that's in heaven coming down to the new creation and the dwelling of God is with men. That's, that's the ultimate garden from, Reve from Genesis 1 and 2 coming to climax in, in Revelation 21 and 22. There's, there's your story, right, from Genesis to Revelation. The dwelling of God is among men. But the other theme in the book of Revelation is, is that the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. So now it's like, well, how do the nations enter into the, what, how do they get in? What's going on? And the answer is it's the suffering, sacrificial, pay, uh, faithful witness of God's people that persevere to bring the nations in. So if we just celebrate and go, yeah, COVID-19, awesome, God's wrath. It's about time you punish these people. It's like, wait a minute. That means they're not redeemed, folks. That Bummer for them. Wait a minute. Yeah, hope for us, but bummer. That's. That's not the gospel. I'm sorry, that is not the gospel. And that's not the God I worship. That's not the God who, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So mm. um, I, I just think that's the antithesis of the gospel. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, I, and it was something you were just saying that it's, it's kind of sticking with me. And uh, I'm sure I've thought of it in this way, uh, in an abstract way, but certainly not in the way, in the concise way you just put it, where... Um, and then in many ways, calamity happening on the earth and Christians saying, well, maybe this is just the end time and then we'll just get to go to heaven. You know, well, I mean, I, I can think of right now off the top of my head, at least five people that I know personally uh, that I'd like to be there too. And to hope and wish for it being that time right. um, seems, to, seems to laugh in the face of their go therefore and make disciples of all exactly. nations. Exactly. Um, because there, there are people in this world that do not know Jesus. And there are people, there's many people in this world uh, that need that hope. Um, and I think it's, oh, in many ways, I, I mean, I'll even be as bold as to say it's, a, it's an extremely selfish point to make. Exactly. Um, exactly. To stand there and say, well, at least I'll get to go to heaven now. I mean, that's, exactly. that's I mean, I, I, when I was saved, I didn't say that. I didn't say, well, hey, sucks to be anyone else that doesn't know Jesus, but I'm going that. Like, that's that right. wasn't my perspective. My perspective was I've been saved and I want everyone I know to know this. Right. I want everyone that I love to be a part of this too. Um, and, you know, I, I did have a question that I was going to ask you. <clears throat> in many ways, you answered it uh, in, your, in what you were just saying. I was just going to ask, you know, you know, is there any evidence in any way, shape or form? Uh, I mean, just to kind of clear, clear the air, I think that something like COVID-19 um, is some sort of biblical wrath being poured out on the people of the earth or some sort of end times prophecy coming to light um, that we ought to know about. And, you know, Markdown is like the next thing on that list. No, I, my, I have studied the New Testament absolutely thoroughly. And, and in my work in the book of Revelation, obviously apocalyptic literature takes me throughout the Old Testament prophets, especially Daniel and some of the apocalyptic writings as well, right? So I'm not, I'm not foreign to the Old Testament. Um, I see absolutely nothing, nothing anywhere. Uh, I wrote a comment in one of my Facebook posts. I'm going to hopefully write a blog pretty soon on, uh, is this the sign of the end times? And I said, look, this is not the sign of the end times. This has nothing to do with the end times. We're called to be we're called to be proclaimers of the gospel, and someone made a, a brief comment said, "Well, why can't it be both?" And the answer is, "Well, it can't be both because this has nothing to do with the signs of because of, it has, it's just simply not there. It, no, it, it's it's just not." Mm. So you heard it here, folks. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Relax. Be more emphatic. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, that's super helpful. And I think to like correct me if I'm completely out of line here, Rob. But I think when we get away, and I don't mean to demean anybody by saying this, but when we get away from some of the more like popular teachings of some like maybe just really popular uh, out there like pastors or something, and you actually get into the realm of, of academia and scholarly work, um, a lot of scholars, maybe most of the scholars are saying very similar things when it comes to the book of Revelation and to this kind of answer of COVID-19 that you've put forth. That's fair to say, right? I'd say sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, that's that's just a helpful clar clarification because I know some people would be like, oh, well, one person said it, you know, a big whoop, look at all these other people. But yeah. um, anytime like, because I remember the first, when I first started reading stuff on Revelation, um, 
the, the reason I wanted to read it is because I was like, oh, great. Like, I'll get to figure out when's the yep. end of the world. I'll have all this knowledge people don't know, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, wait a minute. All these people are saying that that's not what it is. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. so, yeah, that's, that's just something I, I discovered. That's right. Uh, but also, too, just one more thing that I would throw out there, just because um, hopefully maybe it'll help somebody, is that during this time, what's been helpful to me, um, especially being like a super relational person, you know, being locked inside and saying, don't talk to people really sucks. <laughs> but what's been helpful for me is this reminder um, of who our God is and, and mm -hmm. our God is with us, right? Uh, right? Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And remembering that, that God is um, omnipresent, to use the big theological word, that God is with us always, constantly in all things, um, and I mean, even some of Paul's language, like, you know, in him, we live and move and have our being like all these kind of things. These reminders that God is here with us is super helpful um, for me. And now also something that's, that's helpful for me that um, I don't know your theological perspectives well enough to know if you'd be uh, comfortable with this kind of language. So, um, you know, feel free to say you disagree, but uh, I also think and remember that that God is a God who uh, suffers with us and that God, this is this is a grievance as well. Like God's not happy about COVID-19, but instead God is actively working to bring about the greatest amount of good out of a bad situation. God is actively working in love to, um, you know, help eliminate this craziness of, of COVID-19 and um, that as a church, as the the, the people who are gathered to be sent out, like you were saying, the, the people who are sent out on, the, on a mission, um, we get to participate mm -hmm. in the bringing of the kingdom of God, which looks like, you know, um, helping to bring an end to things like COVID-19. Um, so those, those are some thoughts that have been helpful to me, right. um, you know, during this time as well. Yeah. So, yeah, we need to be the church. And be about making and the church is as as the body of Jesus to make Jesus known to the world in love and humility. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, Rob, this has been fantastic. Okay, um, yeah. And yeah, I, sure. I know helpful for me, and it's going to be helpful for for whoever listens. And so, what we'll do is the two articles you referenced. The one, um, actually, I have them pulled up so I can say their names properly. The one is are the seven seals of the book of revelation unfolding today and also the COVID 19 and the love of god uh, is COVID 19 an act of god's judgment um no but keep reading <laughs> i love that title uh we'll be sure to link both of those in our show notes as they go out tomorrow i'm also going to link some of the other resources that you mentioned some of your books um and i'll also put a link to the previous episode for anybody who wants to go listen to that because that was a great conversation as well and then we'll be looking forward to um the article that you put out you know you said thinking of of writing something another blog post this week yeah and people yeah. can follow me on facebook as well i've been posting quite a bit on facebook and i've been doing a number of facebook live um podcasts uh, mm -hmm. podcasts as well I'm doing something every day this week for a holy week um there so if they if they do find, find me on facebook and i have no idea who you are uh, let me know that you that you heard about me through this through this podcast, and then I will accept the friendship. Otherwise, I won't. Uh, <laughs> I won't accept. If, if I have no friends in common, then I won't accept you because um, it's just a stranger trolling me. I'm not sure who it might be. Yeah. But yeah. thanks. Sweet. Yeah, absolutely. And then once that article comes out and I see it, we'll be sure to to post it okay. and share it as well for people to see. Yeah, for sure. Sweet. Most definitely. Thanks. Well. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, for listeners, as always, go Caps. And go black cocks and go wicked. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>